This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thank you to HelloFresh for their continued support of Made for This. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50MadeForThis and use code 50MadeForThis for 50% off plus free shipping. You all are in for such a treat today because you love this man. You love this pastor. I love this pastor. He's kind of just America's pastor. It's Max Lucado, and you have blessed my life so much, Max. I specifically think back, and I think this is such a picture of who you are, that in the middle of COVID, we kept watching you. And I think it was because you issue such peace and you can speak to when the waters are are wild and it feels like everything's crazy, I think your faith and your voice and the way that you communicate, it just, it just brings peace. And my kids wanted to listen to you, which is pretty incredible, Max. You're really spanning the generations here. So anyway, I'm just grateful for your life and, and the way that you serve. And I mean, something that we haven't talked about, we've, you've been on the show before, but your local church, you have been at that church for how many years? Yeah, 35 years. I came here in 1988. The church was already a healthy church. Uh, I didn't start the church. I'm, I moved here from South America. By the way, thank you for those kind words, and thank you for letting me be on the in a part of the conversation today. Uh, so we came here in 1988, and uh, I was 33 at the time, and the church was healthy, had about 400 members, uh, had been in existence already for 30 years at that point. Uh, so it was a very established uh, church, more of a neighborhood church. Met uh, We met in a building about 20 minutes away from where we've been the last uh, 10 or 15 years. We The big the big move came for us when, when the Lord gave us a 36-acre parcel of land outside of San Antonio. It used to be <laughs> outside of San Antonio, but like other cities, everything has grown up around where we are. But that turned out to be such a blessing. It allowed mm. us to have plenty of elbow room and build a couple of different sanctuaries over the years. And um, it's, it's been a great run. It really has. Well, I I think what a gift to to be somewhere for that many years and just to dig roots. Because as you have dug roots in that local church, your words have gone out to the world. 145 million products in print, 56 languages across 80 countries. I mean, that has to hurt your brain a little if you think about it, Max, that your words have gone that far around the world. Yeah, it's, I don't think about it too often. You know, uh, <laughs> I've never quite known, Jenny, if I'm a writer who pastors or a pastor who writes, and I don't think you have to choose yeah. uh, between the two. Uh, but being in a local church has allowed me to have some guardrails in my mm-hmm. life. That, that I think have kept me, uh, helped me uh, stay in one place or stay 
uh, focused. I had a, you know, a huge accountability group every Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, they, they, uh, they're expecting a, a good sermon. And then I, for many years, I was senior pastor for most, nearly all of those years was senior pastor. So it meant I had to manage the staff and, and connect with our elders and do all those things that senior pastors do. And uh, the, those those created some heartaches and some headaches. And yet there was never really a time in which I said, you know, I'm just going to, you know, go up in the mountains and and live in a chalet and, and write books. I, I, I like I really like the kind of the grist, the pressure, uh, the healthy pressure of church life. Yeah. Uh, we, we're not we're anything but a perfect church, but we have some wonderful, wonderful people and mm. we've all grown together over the last three decades. And now I'm what we call a teaching pastor. So about four years, five years ago now, uh, when I turned 65, uh, 64, uh, we turned the leadership of the church over to Travis Eads. And Travis is just brilliant and a lot better leader than I ever was. But I still preach uh, about half the time. Yeah. And he likes that arrangement, and I like that arrangement because I'm not in charge of budgets or buildings anymore. So it's a it's a happy season for us. Well, I love the name of this book, and I love what you talk about in it because I do think we often believe that following Jesus should be easier and cleaner than it is. <laughs> and the book is called "God Never Gives Up on You: What Jacob's Story Teaches Us About Grace, Mercy, and God's Relentless Love." And it's really a book about people stumbling, about just people trying their best to follow God, but but maybe feeling like they do it imperfectly. And I think that's to some degree, all of us, I, I I think that's the way this journey goes, right? It sure is. In fact, I, I opened the book, as, as you may have noticed, I opened it saying, if you got it all together, this book isn't for you. Right. You know, if you're a super saint and uh, if your cheese always stays on your cracker, then, then the story of Jacob's not for you. I've always yeah. been intrigued and I'm curious what your history has been interaction with the life of Jacob. I think he's such an interesting Bible character because he is so surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Joseph, even David, uh, even though they stumbled, you know, by and large, they just kind of seemed like solid, solid leaders, solid men of faith. Uh, It's hard to find in the life of Jacob very many stellar Right. <laughs> Most of the time we're shaking our heads saying, Jacob. He's kind of a jerk. Talking? Yeah. <laughs> What's your history been with Jacob? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of questions for you about it because, yeah, when he when he gets the soup and, right, and then takes his brother's inheritance and then he, and, and God allows that to happen. And then you see him wrestling with God and that, that story just hurts my brain. I've never been able to make heads or tails of that story. So yeah, let's let's start there. Just some of the moments that captivated you as you began to really, really dig in. Okay. Well, the context, Jacob is the uh, grandson of Abraham, which puts him in pretty good lineage. And uh, of course, God had made a promise and continues to fulfill that wonderful promise that he will bless the world through the seed of uh, Abraham. And uh, two uh, generations removed, here comes Jacob. Uh, he's the son of Isaac, and he's the second son of a set of twins. 
in just by a second, you remember, uh, he saw the older brother was apparently he he he, he strikes us as more of a hunter, uh, outdoorsy type. Jacob is uh, more booksy. So at a certain point, he decides that he wants to have the uh, inheritance. He wants to be the firstborn. He wants to have all the privileges that would have come to his elder brother Esau. There's a couple of curious, the story is full of curious events. The first curious event is a vision or a dream that mom Rebecca has that the older will serve the younger. So it seems that God had told her that somehow there was going to be a reversal of roles and that Jacob indeed would lead the clan. But rather than wait on God to do it, they took matters into their own hands. And here mm-hmm. comes the first, you know, slippery season in which Jacob uh, convinces Esau to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup because Esau's famished and he wants what he can see more than what he might someday inherit. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, Jacob dresses up like his brother and goes in and fools his nearly blind dad into blessing him, into giving him the blessing that was reserved uh, for Esau. And so he immediately, he immediately goes against the family. He deceives his brother. He deceives his father. His brother's angry at him. Mom says Esau's got that look on his eyes. You better get out of town. And next thing we know, off goes Jacob uh, running away from home, and he won't come back for 20 years. And really, the story of Jacob occupies about 20 years of his life. He lived much longer than that. But this part of the story is the story of Jacob going up through Mesopotamia, living with his uncle Laban, who turned out to be more shrewd even than Jacob, where Jacob marries two wives. He really just loved one. And that's a story that is bizarre. And then he ends up having babies through two handmaidens, ends up with 12 kids, has to finally come back home, goes through uh, the land of Esau, whom he hasn't seen for 20 years. That's when he wrestles with God. And then he goes back to Bethel, not before there's a terrible bloodbath in a small village called Shechem. So these are all, this is kind of the circuitous route of Jacob's life. And like, like we said earlier, there's, you struggle to find highlights, but you struggle not to relate because yeah. Jacob, Jacob's story is our story. He's he's just that guy who wants to do well, but well, he just doesn't know how or doesn't accomplish it much. But the hero of the story, Jenny, the hero of the story is God, because mm. every time I think uh, God's going right. to give up the guy, there's yeah. God. Growing up with blessings, with covenants, with forgiveness, right. with grace. Yeah. So there's there's the hero. That's why the title, God Never Gives Up On You. Yeah. I think people are scared. I'm actually reading a book, an old book by Chuck Swindoll right now called Grace Awakening. And in it, he talks about grace is so dangerous because the idea that he would forgive all of our sins, anything, everything means that there is there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God and that we know those scriptures. But I think in reality, because I guess we've all grown up with judgment around us and maybe even been judgmental ourselves, likely been judgmental ourselves at times too. It's just not how we work. And it feels scary. It almost feels dangerous that you could mess up that badly, be that sneaky and 
horrible to your family, and yet God would still move in your life and bless you. I think it it bothers people. It does, doesn't it? Like it's not supposed to work this way. It's it's not fair. I, I think I think people respond when they see this this Niagara of grace that God gives, this pure, unadulterated grace. The response is, we've never seen anything like that. Even though our parents love us, they don't love us with that level of grace. Mm. They, they're, they're, they love us unconditionally, yes. But the sense that we are purchased, that we've been redeemed, that we own, we're, we're owned by God, and he's never going to let us go in my own life. I really struggled with that kind of grace, mm-hmm. um, Jenny, because I I just didn't think God could forgive a jerk like me. I think we've mm. talked about the fact that I, I really came out of a lifestyle of, of drunkenness and debauchery. I was not at all the guy that I would want my daughters to ever walk around the block with, much less go on a date with. And my hesitation is that I, I just thought God can't be that great. He, he mm. when, when my friends in college began telling me that God will forgive you, and I began going back to church and I listened to a, a wonderful pastor whose fun- funeral I just did a year or so mm. ago, when he began talking about the great grace of God, he would call it the God's great unending grace. I just thought, yeah, but that's for others. It's, it's not for me, not after what I've done. Mm. So we, we, I don't know why, Jenny, we see ourselves as the exception, you know, exception to this rule. For, for many of us, the great step of faith is not to believe that Christ rose from the dead, but to believe that he can forgive us and secure us forever. I am so excited about my upcoming HelloFresh box because they make delicious chef-crafted meals so easy to make. HelloFresh really does take the hassle out of dinner time because it's planned for you and it can actually save you money. HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means less stress in your day and you get a little money back. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 made for this and use code 50 made for this for 50% off plus free shipping. I cannot wait to cook the ravioli with chicken and zucchini And sometimes I like to throw in a little bit fancy of a lunch option where since my husband and I both work from home, it's like, hey, why not have a avocado toast that has extra special things on top of it? We have a crazy schedule, so it can be really easy for us to just sort of go into auto mode and HelloFresh makes it feel so easy to make a home-cooked dinner that's actually doable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 made for this and use code 50 made for this for 50% off plus free shipping. And now back to Jenny. So many people that are believers still live in shame and it, it truly can paralyze people and steal their joy. Talk to them for a minute, just because you relate to that, the person that just feels just that this this is, yeah, it doesn't apply to them. Here's the deal. You know, the Bible teaches us that God sees the end from the beginning. I believe historically, I believe he sees, you know, the final day of this earthly age, as well as he sees the first day in the Garden of Eden. So he sees history from the end, the timeline all at one time. And that's the same with my life. 
uh, he sees my last day as well as he does my first day. And so he can he can make an accurate assessment of everything. And uh, he has he has made an accurate assessment of your life and mine and said, I know everything she's going to do or think. I know everything he's going to do or think. That's OK. My sacrifice is adequate for them. Mm. And I want them in my kingdom. Mm. One thing we might not say often enough is that the reason God redeems us is because he has plans for us for eternity. And we're going to reign with him in a perfect kingdom. And so he has, he, he, he loves us. Yes, but he, he's preparing us. He's preparing us to enter. We're just barely on a threshold. We're not even starting our life and we've barely uh, taken one step in terms of our eternal life. And so he says, I, I have such great dreams for Jenny in our mm-hmm. eternal life. Uh, I, she has been faithful over a few things, and now I'm going to make her ruler over mm-hmm. all these things, over all these cities, over all these galaxies, over all these planets, whatever it is. And so he he is using uh, this time to convince us and to show us how great his grace is. One of the wonderful things we'll do throughout eternity is just be amazed at the grace that God has given to us and uh, celebrate him. And and that's why we won't boast. That's why we will gladly place our right. crowns at the feet of Christ, because no one deserves a crown in heaven. Uh, only Jesus does. Uh, and so I, I think understanding the eternal perspective that God sees is helpful, at least for me, in understanding this grace. You know, I like I like reading all of you that that make that grace come alive because I think we live in a world that is harsh and we live in a world that doesn't work this way. And it really is a discipline to remember that God is altogether different, that there's not some star chart that he's keeping for you. And he really can forgiven away because of Jesus's blood, the, a way that nobody else can forgive. And it is possible. So when you wrote this book, when you thought about Jacob's life, why was it that you thought of the people that were messing up so badly? Like what was the connection for you in Jacob's life and the people that feel discounted and discouraged and that they can't be forgiven? I run with a bunch of guys and we play golf. And these guys always are amazed that they're letting a pastor play with them. And uh, because they're not your pastor source, they're certainly not on, certainly not on a staff. They're barely in a church pew. (laughs) And uh, I love them. I love them. It's a group of about eight or 10 guys. And, you know, whoever's available on a given Friday, we we go play. And uh, I listen to their, you know, language and and jokes, and they make snide remarks. If I can't say that, Max is here, you know, all the all the time. I'm thinking this through, Jenny. I, I love the guys, and I love their honesty about life. Mm. And I think that their view of God is like exactly like mine was in early in my life. Yeah, that is, they've outsend His grace. Mm. They're responsible guys. To one degree or another, they have happy homes, but they would never think that God chose them. Wow. That's a that's a foreign language to them. And so when I started reading Jacob, I thought, I know these guys. <laughs> I hang out with them all the time, you know. Yeah. 
they they too they've they've gotten in trouble through the years and uh made some bad decisions stuff that they regret as they're getting up there in years they're they're we're all about the same age they're hungry to know though if this yeah. if this god I, I i tell them about can can really can they dare believe that dare mm-hmm. believe it that's really the great message you know that we have to give yeah and um, i i uh i think that's the big story of the of the Christian faith is that is that we're casting our lot, we're throwing our head in yeah. the ring with this uh Savior who saves us not by what we do, but by what he does. Mm-hmm. And this grace changes us. It really does. It turns us into better people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always the thought that people would say, Yeah, but Max, if somebody really gets grace, they're gonna they're gonna right. sin in order to take advantage of grace. And the fancy phrase there is they're gonna have license, they're gonna take license yeah. with that grace. And my response is, yeah, of course they will at first. But as they grow, as that grace begins to move in, as that grace begins to clean their heart, what it does is it creates an awe, a yes. desire to love this God who loves me so much. Yeah. I read once that grace rightly received results in a holiness deeply desired. Mm. So grace rightly received results in a holiness deeply desired. This grace that has forgiven me for all of my immoralities and continues to forgive me uh, is a grace that activates within me a desire to be holy, uh, to love my wife, to love my Lord, uh, to love my church. And and, uh, it, it creates a happier person, a healthier person. And so, yeah, it is risky. It is. But uh, when I was, you know, reading about Jacob, I had several case studies walking down the fairway with me every time, every week. You know, everybody listening right now, I I promise you, they're probably either smiling or they're just relaxed because I think we rest in this idea that God really just delights over us and we are safe with him. As we close, will you just pray, Max, for all of us to understand that in a greater way and to to just enjoy his provision in that, that we we don't have to move up and to the right and make every decision better and better and, and clean up our lives better and better, that he wants to meet us right where we are, whatever today held. Terrific. Gracious, gracious Father, praise to your name on this wonderful day. We thank you. We honor you. We celebrate you. We do our very best to try to imagine just how grand you are, that you can hold all the stars in the palm of your hand. The earth is not even, it's it's just barely a footstool for you. That's how big you are. We try to imagine how eternal our lives are. We get temporal, Father. We, We forget. And so, gracious Lord, I ask you to help us to just have a sense of your immensity. Have a sense of your grace. Have a sense of your kindness. And gracious Lord, to whom do you want to speak today that's listening to this podcast? What would you like to say to that person? Grant that there could be a sense of hearing, answering the questions that are being asked you today. Grant that we could trust, believe, and rely and lean on this grace. We know what what the alternative to grace does for us. It turns us into mean people. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we could be people shaped by grace, by your kindness. Thank you for the story of Jacob. We look forward to meeting him 
in our eternal lives. And um, thank you for your willingness to use all of us in spite yeah. of us, in Jesus' name. It is always a joy to have Max on the podcast with us. And I know you guys are just taking a deep breath right now after listening to the episode. And we want to make sure you know about Max's new book that just came out called God Never Gives Up on You. And we will link all of that in the show notes as well as other resources from Max. But we cannot wait to see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.